Hey, this is Aaron Roberts, Innovative Learning Coach with Mason City Schools. I'm sitting here with Renee McCord for this episode. She agreed to sit down with us and talk about uh, personalized learning. Um, I'm going to let Renee actually introduce herself a little bit and uh, talk about uh, why she teaches middle school, how she got into middle school teaching, how she got into science teaching, and so on and so forth. So welcome, Renee. Thanks Thanks for joining me. All right. So um, I'm in my 15th year here at Mason. Uh, have been honored to, to work with an amazing staff of seventh grade science teachers. Um, decided to teach middle school because um, why not? They are so interesting to work with, uh, the students in the middle school level. Um, I always say that you got to take yourself back to middle school to really relate to your middle schoolers. So to remember how awkward and fun and exciting and uncertain that whole time is in your life. And just be a part of that for these kids and, and ultimately get them to find some kind of passion or love to want to learn and specifically want to learn some science. I always um, I had a great mentor here at Mason that I um, worked under when I student taught, um, Audrey Dobbin Merkel, and she always shared with me, Renee, you got to get them to like science. That's one of your main goals as a seventh grade science teacher so that they'll want to take more and more science. So um, courses up at the high school. So that's been my my main focus is to, one, get them to really want to find a passion to want to learn more of the science um, core curriculum that we teach here at Mason. Um, And being surrounded by colleagues that have the same passion and and desire to want to, to get our community of students here to find that passion has helped us tremendously in growing as a department. So I'm really excited that we've taken this new approach Um, and been able to test the waters a little bit um, this year, and I'm excited to share that with you. So one thing that I just noted from your what you said about what drove you into teaching there is that you have a passion for getting kids to really love your subject area, really yeah. love science. Yeah. It's not I, I want kids to know how to connect these two circuits or you know whatever science concept. Sorry, I was an art teacher in the classroom. <laughs> um, I, it's it's really about just a love for what you're doing, and you want them to love it too. And I, I really I really appreciate that Thanks. in a teacher. Um, so this year, uh, in 2016-2017, our district has had the goal to um, really come up with a definition of what personalized learning is for us here in that district. In the district, and we're still kind of formulating that. The goal has really just been for leadership to get a common understanding. But we see models of it kind of getting into the classroom, really kind of grassroots approaches to this. Um, some teachers and departments might have done a book study, or they might have seen certain speakers, and they're coming up with ideas and and they're doing things. Um, and, and some folks are, are going very, very fast with it. Some are being a little deliberate with it. But I think everybody seems to be interested in doing something. And you're one of those teachers that I've talked to that seems to be interested in it. So what do you think personalization is to you right now? Um, that's a great question. So right now, um, I think based on listening to some of my colleagues, observing some of my colleagues, I started to become very kind of intrigued and excited about the idea that the kids are taking a little bit of um, ownership and even developing their own leadership in their own learning. Um, The really cool part of personalized learning that I'm starting to form in my own head, and this has been gradual. Early on, I was very anxious and nervous and worrisome about how do I structure this in my classroom? And and I decided just kind of jump in heads on, like just head in and give it a shot. Just try it and uh, see how it goes. But what I really have learned this year is that I am hopefully developing skills in my kids that are going to make them better learners. Mm. Um, It allows kids to really start thinking about their own learning 
and what it is that they really um, strive in, that they're really strong in, that style or technique that they really are able to capture content really well. And then areas that they're like, wow, I could really improve in learning this way or this method. And it it opens that door for kids to really start learning about their own ways of learning, Mm -hmm. um, which is huge. Mm -hmm. Then it also gives kids an opportunity to have some choice Um, And so as I've dabbled with it a little bit this year, um, I've given kids opportunities to have different paths or avenues, um, different choice A, B, C on how they might learn a a particular topic. And it's really um, allowed me to see the vast diversity of learners I have in my classroom each and every bell. And also how much my kids do enjoy not just learning science, but enjoy learning just to be learning. Just to be learning. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which is really cool. And these are skills that I now feel even more uh, passionate about, that their skills are going to be able to carry to eighth grade, to the high school. Mm -hmm. And even when they get into the workforce, Mm -hmm. um, if they can truly understand which way they're going to capture content, master content the best, because we all know we're lifelong learners. And so this is just going to help them, these skills that we can develop in them and this, stra- this strategy um, that we're kind of taking and exploring, um, hopefully further and further as they go throughout life. So you talked about ownership, students owning a couple of different things, really. It sounded like they're owning a choice in sort of their pathway, what activities are they going to do to learn a certain subject or area, right. but also a choice in how they're going to demonstrate that they learn that. Mm-hmm. Um Let's talk about that for a second. What are some ways that you've seen students um, own or show their learning that might have been different than what you've seen in the past? So in the past, we've always had your structured, like, you know, all the kids get ready, they take a test, and they have, like, either they get their A, B, C, D, or F, um, and it gives me feedback on how that kid um, understands or has mastered the content. Um, Up to this point, that's been very common. We have some checkpoints and such, but now um, I've been more open to letting kids show me different techniques of how they understand material. Um, One of my favorite, and it it takes a lot of um, just you need to be intentional with it, sitting down with kids in one-to-one setting or small group setting while the other kids are utilizing their time as they're exploring their learning of a concept and having a conversation with kids. A lot of times kids get very anxious over uh, a paper test or a test given on the computer, but if you can verbalize and talk to them, so many times they can capture it. And in fact, I've discovered it's kind of funny in that they actually understand at a much deeper level when you get to talk to them actually, um, and not just mm-hmm. them trying to analyze the vocabulary and, and break through all the, the words and verbiage on a, a test question mm-hmm. than just having a conversation with you one-on-one. Um, so many of my kids have performed so well with just having that time to be able to discuss a topic, which has been great. Um, some kids really like to use some of their other strengths and strategies, and some kids really like to draw. So they'll diagram stuff out or web words together and use that to lead their conversation with me, um, which has been a great um, tool to see kids utilize. Mm-hmm. And the idea of, of taking their main idea and being able to web it out and, and, and spider web it so that they can kind of build support for their big idea. Um, other kids, they still just like the good old, like, give me a piece of paper, give the questions on it, and let me show you that I know it. Right. Um, 
and that's okay. Mm-hmm. That's okay. Um, if anything, I've seen more and more kids um, all like different strategies, and and we've tried to foster that this year. Um, not saying that I don't give a good old paper pencil test. Sure. But we definitely try to think outside the box a little more on yeah, how so you, we can show. You mentioned testing. So, I mean, testing tends to be of reality that we have to deal with. Right. So eventually the kid's going to have to take some sort of test, whether it be a state test or right. a, some kind of common assessment or something. Um, do you feel like after they have those discussions or have that variety, do they are you seeing data coming back? Are you seeing some kind of uh, evidence that these these kids are probably getting it on a little bit deeper level? So one of the other things that we're currently starting to work on as a department and within our district is depth of knowledge. Mm -hmm. And so in my seventh grade science department, we're starting to utilize um, a better understanding as teachers on how do our questions Um, how deep are we getting? Mm -hmm. And after having these small group sessions with the kids and instruction with them and giving them assessments, checkpoints, um, and then our summatives, we're starting to see that um, many of our kids are doing really well based on the data. And we also, as as teachers, are learning that we need to really push them to those depth of knowledge levels threes and fours. Mm -hmm. And the kids are rising to the occasion. They want to, they want to learn deeper. They want to understand at a deeper level, and um, they're willing to allow us to push them there. Um, some kids, we're still working on, you know, just basic knowledge. And as I tell the kids, that's okay. We all learn to ride a bike at different times. We all learn to swim at different times. And it's okay that we learn these concepts at different rates. But the big thing is that we're learning them and we're trying to push ourselves as far as we can with the time that we have. So. So it sounds like you're coming up with some really interesting takes on solutions really to instructional design problems. How do I structure my classroom? How do mm-hmm. I structure my stream of activities? You're coming up with some really interesting things. Have you um, had any models for this? Did you make any visits? Have you seen other people? How are you coming up with this great stuff? Um, so I have, um, I've been working a little bit with uh, a couple of the kind of leaders, uh, teacher leaders within our building, having some just conversations in the hallway saying, hey, like I'm kind of interested in taking this idea of personalized learning and putting it in my classroom. And and I went and observed a few of my colleagues. Um, my department has really taken it on their behalf. And we have some great leaders in my department that has structured some, some um, avenues for us to take. And I've kind of decided to take a risk and, and go and try them. And then we try to congregate and give each other some feedback and strategies that have worked, things that haven't worked. Um, one thing we've learned is that as teachers, we all have our unique style and flair that we bring to the classroom. And so finding that comfort level as an educator um, with the personalized learning has been key. And I would say even after trying it out for about six months now, I'm still trying to find what works in my classroom and the style that I like to have um, that allows me to both be efficient and effective um, as a teacher and as kind of a, as a, a co-learner with my kids because I am learning just as much as they are right yes, now. Yeah. So I, I think you hit on, on something really important there is that just as much as we want to personalize to what our students can do or want to do, our teachers are also individuals, and it's not going to be a one-size-fits-all even for in individual classrooms. Right. So I think that's a, that's a really good observation. I really like that. Well, Mason's really allowed. Um, working for this district, has they're innovators. They want to be 
kind of ahead of the game and, and we're working really hard on and allowing, I feel like as a teacher in this district, they're allowing us to take these risks and, and chances. And, and what we're seeing is we're seeing huge benefits from this um, because we're finding that our kids are gaining a much deeper level of understanding on so many contents by doing this. Instead of just being compliant to, you know, a learning objective, our kids are digging much deeper into that learning objective. And also at the same time, they're learning a lot about themselves as a learner, which they're going to be able to carry on throughout their life. Yes. Yeah. So, okay. So this Q and a session is going really well. Uh, I I feel as though I could (laughs) talk to you in the hallway for like 20 minutes and we'd learn all kinds of great things from each other. Yeah. Um, I wanted to do this kind of next session on like this word association. I wanted to throw out to you a few words that you hear when you go to uh, professional developments on personalization or you read books on personalization. Uh, I just just want to throw out a few of these words and I'm going to get just whatever the first thing that comes to mind, whether it's just one word or you want to, um, or whether you have whole sentences that you want to share or whole thoughts you want to share. So first word is co-creation. All right. I, the first thing that comes into mind is that I'm having a conversation with my kids saying, Hey, here's a topic. How can we work together to create something fun and exciting that you would be interested in? And we are, we're working together and creating um, our learning path for this learning objective. Um, it's not just me creating it behind the scenes that my students are having input um, and that we're working together on how, how do you think um, you would learn best this topic. And it might be something as far as like, hey, maybe I give them one little um assessment that shows them where they are and then my students and I work together individually or in small groups depending on all my different levels of where do we go from here and they create their path along with my guidance to help them as well. Great. How about uh, passion? Mm. Student passion specifically. Yeah. Um, So one of the greatest things about being a teacher is when you get to see that light bulb, that imaginary light bulb that goes off on top of every child's head. And um, when you can start to see that all the time in kids because they're they're passionate about the topic, they're passionate about being in the classroom and learning. And um, that's really exciting when you can instill that they have this pure love to want to, to to get to know all they can while they're in school and even outside of school um, and want to, to be a constant learner and want to dig deeper. Um, it's really exciting about being a teacher and seeing those all those light bulbs light up your room every day. So. How about um, outcomes, student outcomes? Yeah, uh, so this one, um, I think of data a lot um, mm-hmm. because we've been very data-driven um, lately. Um, I use my data. Um, I try not to think, oh, data, data, and look at it negatively. I look at my numbers and I think this, these numbers, this data, these outcomes are what drive and show not only me, but show my students how far we've grown throughout the year, how far we've grown within a a particular subject area. Um, And overall, um, it's just like, you know, going to the doctor, you're given outcomes, you're given data, and then you can, you can create a path or, um, make choices, right. Make choices Mm -hmm. on how you're going to handle a situation with your health. The same thing can be said about your learning and that if we know our outcomes, we know our data that we have, we can create 
opportunity to grow. Yeah, see, uh, my next word was going to be data. And I think you got to a good point there is that that data isn't the goal. Mm -hmm. It's just the natural result of human activity. When we do things, we learn things, we take assessments, we do whatever it is, whether it's a one-on-one conversation type assessment. Um, Really, I'm kind of taking the temperature of the building right now by just having a conversation with you. Like, what do we already know in the building? So that's an assessment and that's a piece of data for me. It's not the goal of this. It's just something that naturally occurs through human activity and then just kind of finding it, quantifying it, using it to then help guide, not give the only choice, but help guide future choices. I think it's a good take right. on data. I, you know, we always put a bar across the line and say, hey, this is the benchmark. This is where we want students to achieve. And, and I think that bar really, you know, it's great to have, but it shouldn't be the end goal. Our goal is to keep that graph rising as high as we can, infinite, um, to just push our kids as far as we can in that try to get them to deeply and passionately understand all the content that we are giving them each each time. So data is definitely a science. But there's also an art to it. There's an art to making the right choices with it. Right. Personalization is a there's a there's an art and a science and and teaching there's an art and a science to it. Right. And it's messy and it's beautiful and it's wonderful and I appreciate you yeah. uh, working with our kids. I appreciate the things that you're trying out in your classroom. Thanks. Uh, so this has been Aaron Roberts Innovation Coach with Mason City Schools and Renee McCord Science Teacher at Mason Middle School. We thank you for listening to our first little attempt at a Mason City Schools podcast. (laughs) Thank you all. Hopefully we'll have many more for you to tune into. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.